Hey, you are listening to Oh Crap Parenting with me, your host, Jamie Gorlacki. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, you guys. Welcome, welcome. So today I am so excited. I am going to have a conversation with Erica. And Erica is a regular patron on Patreon. And she is a mom. And she... I'm sure you're an expert in some things, but this isn't like an interview. <laughs> With like an, totally. an expert. <laughs> I'm sure you you're want to talk restaurants another time. Yep. <laughs> Erica <laughs> is a mom who has worked through her shit. And she, to me, she embodies do the work. And the reason I asked her to be on the show is her comments on Patreon are so thoughtful and so thought provoking. And for me, a person who's trying to help you guys do the work, the hard work of parenting, but even the harder work of keeping ourselves regulated, working through our trauma, working through our shit so we can show up as whole conscious parents to our kids. That's tricky. It's tricky work, especially when you're already like your three-year-old crying because you cut the sandwich wrong, you got the baby on the hip, and maybe you're trying to go back to school or work or something. And so I wanted Erica to come on and talk about a couple of things how she's done the work and how, um, how, well, how my podcast has helped her and (laughs) not going to be shy about that, but also how some other people have helped her along the way. So welcome, Erica. I'm so happy you're here. Oh my gosh. It's such a pleasure. I'm the gigantic, the most gigantic fan of you. Thank you. (laughs) It means so much because like sometimes when you do a podcast, I love having Patreon because I love hearing the comments, you know, um, and having the direct relationship with listeners, but sometimes it can feel like you're operating in a vacuum, you know, and you're like, I don't know, is this landing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can tell you it definitely is because on Reddit, you know, parents are out there just like screaming into the void, like help, help anyone help. And I'm like, okay, here's my little linky list. Podcasts are my love language. You you know, based on this problem that you've given me, I'm going to recommend this episode, this episode. And I put the link so that I know they'll click, you know, because if I'm like, go go to your podcast and go, you know, they're not going to do it. So I'm like, here's a blue link for you to touch and have immediate access to real content on what you're saying. And I have for years been getting um, uh, private messages back from people months later saying like this, I can't even tell you what this did for me. I can't even tell you how this changed. Thank you for taking the time. And it took me a couple minutes, but it took you however long to like put the content together for the episode. So I'm like team effort. (laughs) I just just hired a great business management team. And now I have, I actually have a social media manager, but I'll be like, Oh, take Erica on as my Reddit manager. (laughs) Seriously. Um, I've been doing it for free for years. so. (laughs) So, um, so tell us about yourself and tell us about your work and how you came to know that you needed to do work as a parent. Well, uh, let's see here. So my, when my kid was born, when he was six months old, there was a local measles epidemic. Okay. So I stayed inside 2019, stayed inside, you know, uh, did all the stuff that we were supposed to do. And then uh, the pandemic happened, like just as he got vaccinated for MMR. And so then it was like right back inside. And my mom died of the uh, COVID in January of 2020. So So it was pretty right away that we needed to do some work, you know, some like, I'm screaming at my one-year-old because there's a pandemic that killed my mom and I don't know what to do. And pretty right away, I mean, in reflecting on your episodes, I noticed, um, 
just little bits and pieces that you said just went right down to the depth of my core and showed me this isn't just I need to fix a behavior in my kid. It showed me I need to fix a bunch of stuff inside of myself in order to see the kinds of behaviors I want out of my kid and in order to have the kind of connection that I wanted. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a, a, per, a really personal question. Were you able to make, were you able to connect the dots right away <clears throat> that like, I'm so angry that COVID killed my mom and that's why I'm yelling at my one-year-old or was that just, is that kind of in hindsight? It was, that was the obvious thing to me. Okay. What wasn't obvious to me was that all the early childhood stuff Mm. was coming up in the right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, it was obvious to me, there's a pandemic. My mom died. Of course I'm sad. But it, I had to keep digging deeper. And honestly, it was a Janet Lansbury episode about reparenting that was like, oh, I've got this inner child and she is melting down all the time. So if my inner child is constantly melting down, how is, am I, can I be a sturdy leader for my outer child? Mm-hmm. So that's my where I started child. using. <laughs> yeah. I love that, my outer child. So let's talk one second. So in some yeah. episodes, I have spoken negatively about Janet Lansbury only, and I want you guys to know I'm not just talking Mm -hmm. shit. I really don't know the woman's work in depth. I know some surface stuff. I, in the parenting space, I don't have time to keep track of every other parenting person out there. And I know that I just kept getting disasters of parents who had worked with her and personally, and then like, things were worse. And so I started to feel like I was the safety net for her and Laura Markham. Like I was like, okay, when people fall through their net, they come to me. Yes. But you, this is like, we talked about this years ago. Right? <laughs> like, yes. um, tell me what you replied to me. That was so <laughs> earth shattering to me. <laughs> people are distracted by Janet Lansbury's dulcet tones because okay. they were so severely abused verbally as children. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of us didn't get hit. We got hit with words, with anger, with rage, with sh- shit thrown at the walls and, you know, mm-hmm. fists at the walls, not at me, but mm-hmm. I was so verbally abused as a child. And I was taught to verbally abuse my younger siblings. And then mm-hmm. I hear Janet Lansbury and I was like, Oh God, I wish my parents had talked to me like that. Yeah. And so then I started talking to my kid like that and he started fucking losing it. And then I got, she does, she has a very soothing voice and she's a big proponent of gentle parenting, but it like, I'm going to stop you. She actually hates that. She hates that term. Okay. Okay. And she has told people don't use my voice. This is just my voice. And so what I told you in your email, um, uh, just of, you know, last week or whenever is that she has an episode where she reads a letter from a listener who says, my kid says, don't use that voice. And Janet's like, look, you guys cannot be out there trying to imitate my voice. And okay. over the years, I've heard her try to get like a firmer tone. And I'm just, <laughs> just a chill person like you. And I'm like, <laughs> you guys, it really just is her voice. She's not asking you to speak like her. So people, She's, people took her tone, like my tone is abrupt. So people took her tone as gentle parenting. Like, I'm going to talk, yes. I don't know her voice very well, but yes. I'm yeah, going to totally. try oh, to make yeah. things nice like this, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. And she's like, please stop doing that. She, her whole shtick is like boundaries and, um, being a sturdy leader. And the thing is, is I think people are just missing, like, she's like, let them do a thing, set a boundary and then they're going to react to it. 
and you have to be chill. And you say the same thing, but you say it in a different way. The the Mm -hmm. big difference, I think, is that you are more clear about firmness in our tone. You are more clear to us that we need a firm tone. And Janet's not that clear about that. And so, I mean, even her most recent episode, I was like, oh, you're kind of there. But like, I understand why people are missing this so much. Mm, And I just think they're hearing the, the softer part, the accepting part, and not the part where you hold a firm boundary. I mean, she's like, kids don't belong in the bathroom with you. Close the door, shut it, lock it. They can cry. You don't get to explode at them for crying on the other side. But like kids don't belong right. in the bathroom with you. You need your space. You should show them what privacy looks like. Show them you right. take care of yourself and stuff. And parents who th- say they're following Janet Lansbury are not out there shutting the door. Right. They're so, un- out there so, like yeah. cajoling. So she's better. <laughs> like you had written to me that she's she is good for reparenting you. Me. Yes, She's feeling your yes. inner child. And that's what you yes. need to hear. Yes. yes. I okay. need softness. I need like when my kid is losing and his stuff, there's an inner child who's like, no, Stacy's going to come yell at us. You got to quiet down. Mm. Like, I'm afraid of you losing it because my stepmom's going to come yell at me for not keeping the kids quiet. Right. Like I'm out there like I'm scared. It's, it's 1995 right now and things are not safe. And so I get Janet Lansbury's voice in there going, oh, yeah, you're having such a tough time right now. Oh, I see. Like, this is so hard. Yeah, you're really scared. You know, Dr. Becky's in there with yeah. me. Yeah. And, then when, and then when my mouth speaks, it's Jamie's mouth speaking to my actual <laughs> child. Going, system. Hey, yeah, I do. I have a whole system of people. Because here's the thing. A lot of us, I know you talked one time. You're like, I can't believe some people don't have an inner monologue. I don't understand it. There are so many people up here talking all the time. And it used to be people who said shitty stuff about me. And what I realized is if I'm going to have voices up there, I'm going to pack the house with people who say loving shit to me, who say helpful, skillful shit to me. Right. And so like Jamie and, or or, I mean, Janet and and Dr. Becky are in there like calming down my traumatized little Mm. kid. And Jamie's like, okay, now we speak to the kid on the outside and we say, Hey, bud, no, thank you. You can stop that now, you know, and it's just, it's like ordering a burger, you know, when you order a burger, you're not like, um, can I please have a burger? Would you, you know, and, and, you know, but you're also not like, give me a fucking burger. You're like, hi, (laughs) could I please have a burger? I'd like it like this. Thanks so much. See you at the next window. Right. And try, but that was so hard for me because I was either the wet mop or, I was the raging bitch psycho mom, right? Right, Psycho mom spoke deeply to me. Yes. (laughs) That I have listened to so many times. It's my most downloaded episode. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it is that. It's that wet mop. It's that too soft, too soft, too soft, too soft. Then you come out raging, right? And then I love this idea, though, of, you know, more recently, I've really been harping on the village. What is the village? Are we kicking out the village? Are we bringing in the village? What does the village mean? And I love the idea of a village of like podcast people, like, oh, okay, I'm going to use, you know, because Dr. Becky's good. Yes. And listen, guys, I don't think any of us are reinventing the wheel. Any parenting expert out there is going to harp on boundaries on, you know, what, how to respond to your kid. But we all say it in slightly different ways and different mm-hmm. tones. Yeah. Yes. And I just found like so many people were so abused that, and you say it over and over in your show. I've been, I've been revisiting. I've clocked a lot of hours in the past few days. Um, <laughs> you. You, you say it over and over that like our kids just need a sturdy, casual tone from us so that we're not setting up, you know, like we're ready to go before it even starts. 
Yeah. But we're not asking questions. We're not putting these question marks in front of our voices. Right. And as I have been like, okay, so, but what else is going on around me that's creating the situation where I'm doing this? And so that's where the other people are coming in for me. Like Jen Lumenlon from um, Your Parenting Mojo talks a ton about the systemic problems facing parents. Mm -hmm. So she's my release valve. Mm -hmm. where my inner, like, I'm so angry about late stage capitalism. I'm so angry about like the way that systems are set up for us to fail as parents Mm -hmm. so that I just have a place to put that anger. You know what I mean? I can't take it out on my kid. It's not going to change my circumstances, but it does give me a fucking second to just be angry about how unresourced we are. And of course, like I said, I became a parent in an epidemic that followed a pandemic. Like I remember listening to you as it was starting and you guys were all like, oh, it's going to be, you know, I think it'll be chill. Like kids are resilient. They bounce back. And then months went by and you were like, look, there's going to be mental health fallout from this. We don't know what it's going to look like, but let's all just like prepare for that emotionally right now because it is. Yeah. Here we here we are. Here we are. And it's still reverbing. It's just like it keeps reverbing. And I keep like there's all these correlations in my potty training work and my parenting work. And like I keep telling the parents of three and four year olds, do you understand you had a baby under duress? You have PTSD. Yeah. Well, and they have you were saying it uh, um, as things started to come back. You were like, they are not coming back from anything. They had their whole life in this nice, quiet, like ancient human experience where we were all just like quiet and the city noises were quiet and shit. And then we all got back to something that was normal for us and is loud as fuck to our kids. And And so now they're all overwhelmed. Yeah. So it's now they're sensory processing. Now they don't transition well. Now they can't hurry up. Now they're overwhelmed because of really small class sizes in preschool. And I'm like, oh, kindergarten is going to be fucked next year. Yeah. My kid's mind is blown by 12 other children in a classroom with him. Yeah. His teacher's like, oh, is it all the loose parts? I was like, no, he's got a ton of loose parts at home. Yeah. And he can play with loose parts with one or two other kids beautifully for a long, Mm -hmm. long time. Mm -hmm. Put 12 other kids with him. And next year he's supposed to go into a class with 20, 25. I'm like, what? We're being left behind again. Yeah. You guys aren't acknowledging again how fucking hard this is for us to you know, do anything like helpful or supportive for our kids. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what, uh, long story long, um, that's what I love about listening to your parenting mojo. So yes, I have this podcast village of people. And at some point in your podcasting, you'd said, you know, don't listen to too many people. And I think that that's normal for maybe even like a neurotypical person mm-hmm. where you could get to like a skewed. But for me, I just was like, Oh, you're speaking to this niche for me. Yeah. This other person's, you know, uh, authentic parenting. She is all trauma work. She mm-hmm. is all work through your stuff. She sometimes has some like parenting. Honestly, no, actually I've never heard her give parenting advice. Mm. <laughs> it's only like, how do we as parents heal Mm-hmm. so that we can be the parents we want to see in the world or whatever. Um, I, so yeah, I really, I've got as this my work evolves, village. I'm coming down to that. I, I'm, I'm varying more and more. Like the, the parenting will come easier. You don't even need parenting advice when you take care of you. So it's mm-hmm. like I'm kind of yeah. getting, I, I mean some, yeah, but I feel like it's just so important. Or maybe at the, the percentage of the equation, right? Like I used to think, yes. okay, yeah, it was like 50-50. Now I'm like, eh, I think it's like 80-20. Um, I want to go back though and just highlight, and I'll probably put this on social media is is like, if I'm going to have voices in my head, 
I don't want them saying shitty things. I'm going to stack them with people saying nice things. Like that is such excellent advice because we're all so mean to ourselves. And sometimes we don't even realize how mean we are, you know? So Mm -hmm. I love that. I do. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's what like Tara, Tara Brock has been huge for my parenting, not because she gives me parenting advice, but because she's lodged in my head going, Oh, this is okay. Like you are okay. It's okay that you're having this hard time. Um, this is a part of radical acceptance. This is this, what, what's happening right now is, is just is what's happening and you're going to survive it and you're safe. Like having soothing people inside my head, calming me down has helped me show up for my kid. Yeah. I love it. And I do, I like you calling me out on like, don't listen to too many people. And I feel like I don't remember. I often don't remember what I say on podcasts. I kind of like channel information. I'm like, oh, that was pretty smart. <laughs> I was dumb. Um, but one thing is, you know, I especially give that advice to pregnant women who I think don't aren't in the throes of it yet. So they're imagining all the various things and they're trying to cover all their bases and they get really overwhelmed, you know? And I think mm-hmm. like the first few months of life is like, God, just hunker down with your baby. Just love, 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 love your baby, you know? And then I do like this idea, though, of stacking when you find good people who resonate and who are helping you. You know, if you're listening or following somebody who doesn't bring you joy, who doesn't help you in some sort of way, ditch them. You know, I'm constantly adjusting my Instagram feed. I'm like, oh, you're full of shit. Get out of here. You know? And then two months later, I might follow them back again and be like, okay, now I like what you're saying. (laughs) But no, you were... You also were diagnosed with ADHD late in life, yes? Yes, yeah. Um, And and, um, most importantly, uh, complex CPT, uh, PTSD. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's actually kind of up for grabs as to whether it's like a chemical biological ADHD or if it's the CPTSD uh, mimicking symptoms. But regardless, like I pass, I like I'm 100% on the ADHD questionnaire that my, that my therapist gave me. And so we all, our therapy together is working on tools to live life in a way where I'm managing the symptoms of ADHD um, all the time. Constantly. I have, I have a lot of women friends who got diagnosed late in life and they were so relieved because they were like, I'm not just a mess. I was like, Oh yeah. 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 What, um, let's go over CPTSD because I think um, maybe there's some people who don't understand the complex in the C. Yeah. Um, so it's like, um, I guess trigger warning, like if some traumatic thing happens to you, like in an alleyway, you're going to get PT, you might get PTSD from that, right? Or if there's an explosion in, you know, you're in a wartime thing. But if you're just molested over time as a young Mm -hmm. child for a few years, that's complex. Yeah. Um, There's just enough uh, ACEs, uh, uh, adverse childhood experiences Mm -hmm. happened that my therapist was like, yeah, I can diagnose you with PTSD from one of the times you were molested, (laughs) but it's complex because it happened over the course of time. Right. It's also complex because the abuser was a close loved one who was also a child old enough to know what was, where he should have known that it Mm -hmm. was not okay, but he, we had a loving relationship with each other Mm -hmm. and he apologized once he was an adult in college, came back from college one time and was like, I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry. And 
that's actually when I realized like, oh, the age difference, my age at the time, his age. Oh, oh. And so I was just kind of rolling through life with this affecting me, but not having any kind of idea. So whereas like, say, if you're a soldier and there's a bombing and then every time a loud noise happens and you get triggered, like that's just so can be so clear. Yes. But what's not clear is, you know, I mean, one example is that, um, you know, of course this comes up in my sexuality. So that's an obvious thing. But, uh, recently I was at my kid's preschool and the kids were playing cats and dogs. And I was assigned as a parent helper to like this area where they were doing this imaginative cats and dogs play. And later I'm talking about with my therapist. I was like, Oh, right. I used to play cats and dogs with that cousin and, it would lead to this other thing. And so like I was in preschool feeling all agitated and frozen and unsafe. It's not an obvious, it's not, I'm nothing sexual is happening around me. So I didn't, there's no clarity on that. It's just so complex. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing is um, my mom left when I was two and my stepmom was incredibly verbally abusive to me starting when I was nine years old, when she came into my life and they right away had a kid. So I was right away in charge of taking care of little kids and using her yelling strategies to mm. keep her kids compliant. So a lot of people, um, you know, may have like say PTSD from being yelled at and mine is more complex because it's not just that I was yelled at directly. It's that I was like child soldier style forced to then reenact that abuse onto children younger than me in order to comply with the verbal abuser who was in charge of me. So it's just really complex. It's the dynamics (laughs) that get set up underneath because I say that about my own childhood, right? Like my dad was highly abusive and, you know, you get these things like, you know, I've shared that I was a early adopter cutter before anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> you know, totally and it seems like, oh, that's like, a, that's like a big thing, you know, and there was some sexual assault. And, you know, it seems like these big things are like, oh, my dad was a raging alcoholic. And it seems like, oh, okay, we need to address those. And those were like, not to diminish my pain or anybody else's, those were the big rocks. That was like, duh. You know, it was yeah. the fact that my family operated at this sneaky level. There was this like compliance, this complacency, complicity with my mom and my dad and how we all acted as siblings. And that shit's fucked. And that takes years to unlayer. I mean, me and my and sister yeah, you're just, just like- unlayered a little bit of it. Yeah. I mean, literally this breakthrough happened for me like last week with my therapist. And so it's just like constantly ongoing. Um, When you talk about secrets in your like talking about the hard stuff episode, I just thought about how often my, I would get yelled at for having shared any of the abuse I was suffering. And so it was like being abused for sharing about the abuse and the like, you know, this is a family, private family matter, which is just a fucking long way of saying a secret that is hiding abuse. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a nightmare. It's I tell that story. Nightmare. I got in trouble. I called the police because my father was breaking my mother's bones and I got in trouble later for calling the police. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> now as an adult, I'm like, whoa, yes. dude, that whoa. was messed yeah. up. But at the time, See, I, know, I know it made me on tender hooks, you know, but I didn't know. I was like, I thought I was doing the right thing, you know, but yeah, then, then right. you weave all this shit in your mind. Right. And so to bring it back to like present day, what eventually started happening is my really negative inner monologues, um, my negative self narratives turned into thinking about my kid going through literally 
one minute, literally 60 seconds of that shit. Right, right, right. And, and being like, oh, I am lucky I'm alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at somebody with our kind of ACEs scores, you're like, the statistics on dying from domestic violence, drug overdose, or suicide yeah. are staggering. Yeah. And so I went from being like, oh, I'm Dude, it wasn't for lack lazy. of trying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously, yeah, seriously. Like, the fact that I... <laughs> woo! I mean, it's not like I didn't have these problems. It's just, I'm alive. Yeah. You know, I mean, old hard truth is like, the cousin who abused me was also abusing a sister, which I did not know. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the last things she told me before she committed suicide was he did it to me too. And as I go through life being like, I'm alive and vibrantly so. I'm sure I will continue to make mistakes. I'm sure my kid will need therapy someday. And I am sure that I he is lucky to have me as his mom. I'm amazing. I am strong. I, I have love those two thoughts at once. Yes, he's going to need therapy. And yes, I'm fucking amazing. Like, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I and, mean, I am fully on board with the plan. That, like, we're saving money. We're literally stacking silver for, like, therapy or whatever Whatever he needs to do to take care of his mental health. Yeah. We College is like, sure, maybe if he wants to. If not, that's Same. fine, too. We don't care. Yeah. Uh, what we care about is him taking care of his his spirit, you know? Yeah. And I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, the difference is too, I think where the, where the generation of parents who understand repair. So I am fully prepared. I don't know the ways I'm, I'm screwing up Pascal. We have a great relationship, but I'm sure stuff's going to come up. And, but I'm going to be the parent who says, you're right. I'm sorry. And that's Mm -hmm. it. And I might say, can I explain where I was coming from? And if he says no, I say, Okay, very good. I'm so that's sorry. Because yeah. we're going to be the generation of repair. And that's what our parents, mm-hmm. dude, I can't even unlayer any of this with my mother. I was the best mother ever. Okay, <laughs> yeah, sure you were. <laughs> I did what I had to do. Yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> the idea that you did what you had to do, but it was still damaging. She can't hold those two thoughts, you know? Yeah, my stepmom is that way. My mom, luckily, I mean, we didn't get enough time, but she was good about like, oh, I wish I had done this differently. Mm-hmm. And not in a self-deprecating way, but just in a like, I'm going to tell you right now, you deserve better. And so when my stepmom refuses to do that with me and with my younger siblings, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I don't need you to grovel. And I don't need, you know, like, penance or whatever, right. penitence. Yeah. I-, I literally just need you to tell me that I deserved better. Yeah. And, you know, one parent was willing to do that and it, it healed us and I'm sorry she's gone, but I love knowing that there was nothing unsaid. Yeah. And And it's that thing that I said about my dad, like he gave me a blanket apology. He was like, I can't look at how I was. Will I was awful. I know it. Can I say sorry for everything? And I, it, like it, Erica took me all of two seconds. I was like, hold on, because I want to make sure. And I ran yeah, it through all my yeah, little systems. So I was like, hmm. <laughs> and I was like, what do we think? <laughs> I was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I can. Totally. And since then, we have a good relationship. And so yes. I think that is the, the, the acknowledge, just the fucking acknowledgement, right? And that's what we need to do with yes. our kids, right? When they're having a hard time, yeah. is we acknowledge it. We don't give in. We don't necessarily grovel or, I'm such a no. terrible parent. Like, don't say that to your no, kid. <laughs> but the thing is that I don't. I love Glennon Doyle's uh, podcast. We can do hard things, and mm-hmm. they have an interview with a rabbi talking about the difference between forgiveness and and um, and reconciliation. 
or, or I don't know if that's the word it is. Uh, maybe it is pent, uh, repentance. But basically, it's like, I can forgive my stepmom. I can have empathy for her. I can know that she had a shitty life. And so then she gave me a shitty life. I totally get it. But she hasn't done anything to repair the situation. Oh, reparations. She hasn't done anything to repair the situation. And so I just don't feel safe with her moving forward. Right. And and so we're working on the repair. My thing right now with my kid is he's been potty trained for a long time, but he's not potty independent. He's got some sensory things around like slimy stuff. So he's not wanting to wipe and whatnot. But recently I told him, you know, when you were little and I was potty training you, I used some tactics that I feel don't feel good about anymore. And I think they were scary for you. And they convinced you to be comfortable with something you weren't comfortable with. And now I see you only comfortable with me doing um, teeth, tooth brushing is the other thing. Cause he has oral phase dysphagia. So like teeth brushing was a little bit of a consent. You know, I was doing this, like it's for your health and it was, but yeah. I did not connect. I was right. not using connection and collaboration. I was using force and dominance and telling him it was for his own good. Right. And while I wasn't necessarily wrong in that it was for his good. I just, it now he's only comfortable with us wiping his butt and putting a toothbrush in his, toothbrush in his mouth. Right. And so I've said, I am not going to use the same tactics to get you independent in these areas. It's important. We got to work on it, but I'm going to say right now, I'm sorry. And you don't remember this because you were so little, but I just want you to know that it happened. I made mistakes. I wish I'd done it differently. I'm going to do it differently moving forward. We're going to find ways to get you comfortable with this that are not me being mean to you and yelling at you. Yeah. And he was like, great, thanks. And, you know, <laughs> I know parents who, you know, will say like they've said to their kids, oh, I did this or that when you were younger. And they're like, I don't remember. You, you were a great mom. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, but I still want to say I'm sorry because I think about it. I think about you and I care. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that there's just something yeah. to that. I think it's huge, but also it's like get people giving you money. Like who hates that? Who hates being told, I'm sorry, I think I messed <laughs> up with you. Like, okay, yes. even if I don't remember you didn't mess me up, I accept. <laughs> like, yeah, I accept because there's still some things. And, you know, my, my siblings, I, I call them my kids. I almost call them my kids, my older kids who are my younger siblings. They're adults and they'll say, oh, I have a problem with this or that, or I don't know why I can't, whatever. And I'm like, well, I remember your mom beating the shit out of you when you cut your hair when you were two years old yeah, and you know, and the, it has these effects on you now. And, and my sister just being like, Oh God, that aches, that hurts, you know, to hear. And I'm like, well, I'm your memory. I am your, your, you know, the person the your truth and reconciliation committee. Yeah. Like, let's talk about what you don't remember. And I want to be that for my kid. And I want to be able to put myself on the stand and say, I, you know, I want an authentic relationship with you. And if there's an area that I see you struggling and it ties, you know, immediately to a memory from your youth, I'm going to say something. I'm not going to be like, Ooh, he doesn't remember. So I'm just gonna, you know, not say anything. Yeah. (laughs) And like, we have to, it's good to have somebody like you who does remember who was there and was a witness. But also I think I work with so many people, including one of my dear friends that I mentioned a lot on this podcast, but that, think they had a great childhood, you know, by all metrics, they went to a private school, they had things, they weren't in any of the systemic issues, you know, that they were dealing with, not extreme poverty or hunger or anything like that. And then, but, but I'm like, okay, but something's still wrong. And like, this is a good friend that we can call each other out on. So I'm like, dude, no, something happened. I don't know what it was. And it just, this, she's the last six weeks, she's having all these revelations because 
she's like, her parents just never showed up for her. They were so inconsistent. And I'm um, dude, I'm so excited. I got the attachment nerd. Um, I interviewed her. She's next week. So like we're recording this. And so uh, we're, we're that's where I was I'm like attachment. Let's do that way. <laughs> we're recording this on November 15th. And I'm not sure when this one will be released, but she's being released right before Thanksgiving. So I'm so excited. And it, it, it's about attachment and it goes back to attachment theory and that these things, they're not good or bad. We don't have to be like judgy about it. It's just how it was. And so that's where those layers of like, maybe not PTSD, maybe not severe trauma, you know, molestation, beatings, the shit that you and I right. experience, but that there is smaller stuff that affects your nervous system affects, you know, cause I've got parents, I have never seen it. The, the pandemic took very small zits and made them into these huge pussy things. And so, and I have parents sure. flipping out. They have no distress tolerance. They get triggered by everything. They're, they're a mess. And I was like, but your kid that has was me. to, you know, and I, I am not kidding. I heard from someone from Israel this week who was like, so I'm having trouble potty training and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once the war started, like there's sirens and bombs, but we're shielding him from that. And I was like, How, what? That's not even possible. You know? So I feel like we think of our kids as like too resilient sometimes, right? Or like that we, during the pandemic, so many people were like, no, 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 no. She doesn't know what's going on. And I was like, she knows that you're both home and you're not going out of the house. She knows she's allowed to watch Frozen whenever yeah. she wants. She knows certain things are up, you know? And she knows that you turn into psycho mom at the drop of a hat. Right. And that right. was the big thing. Like, cause again, my kid born in an epidemic into a pandemic. So he wasn't like, why are they home? We were home anyway. <laughs> His thing was like, why was, why was she fine with this yesterday? And now she's like exploding at me today. Yeah. That and that was the thing. That, yeah. And that like that hair trigger. And it really was. It was like, I did not. These past four years, three years have been exclusively about cultivating a stress tolerance and emotional resilience for myself mm -hmm. so that my kid can actually naturally come to those things without me like aggressively authoritarianly like browbeating compliance into him. You right. know what I mean? Like right. I, I, that was the only way it was going to go. And of course I went into parenting, like I'm never going to yell at my kid. And then I had a kid and I really think that just having the kid triggered the, like my mom left when I was two, yeah. I was abused as a child. I was verbally abused as an older child. Like I, all of that came up to the surface and stopped here, I'd yeah. say at my jaw. And then my brain was like, Oh, I'm just a parent. I should be better. I should be doing this. I'm going to go to yoga. I'm going to whatever, you know, like right. ugh, time to pump again. <laughs> you know, I just like, and, and my jaw down was like, I need tenderness. I need love. I need care. I need somebody to come and hold me. I need somebody to take care of me. I'm alone. You know, the, yeah. in my first meeting with my therapist, I was like, yeah, my mom says I was like the perfect, ba the perfect baby. And she was like, uh oh, because it turns out, of course, my mom has this whole history of sexual abuse herself. Right. And so does her mom. And so does her mom. Right. And so when she was pregnant for me, 
it was all of that coming up for her. Mm -hmm. And so literally, like, I've just never felt safe. I've never felt emotionally regulated. I've always, I've been people pleasing since I was an infant in my crib, knowing my mom wasn't going to come to me when I cried. So I just might as well not cry. So like, this is just an ancient thing that I, I was, it wasn't like I had a kid and I was like, oh, now I'm remembering all these things. It was like, no, now my body is fully aware that all of this stuff has happened. And my mind has literally no idea about any of it. And I'm just like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah. Every time I try to deal with a behavior with my kid or, oh, I'll just, I'll get sleep squared away. Or, you know, once he's potty trained or once he's walking or once he's talking. And it was all, I mean, yes, of course, things get easier as those things get online. But it wasn't that. It was my body being in a constant state of like unsafety. Yeah. Rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic might be the best expression ever for (laughs) what you were doing. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, what's this is online? I'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, no, that's wild because it was really funny because earlier today I was looking at a post by the holistic psychologist, another big gun in the space that I love. And she um she was talking about women and autoimmune issues and all like um chronic illnesses and how many of them have the people pleasing, how many of them didn't feel safe in infancy. And that like the comments are wild because people like, yeah, I And I think that's the trickiest thing, again, kind of going back to like what listeners can take away is you have to trust your gut because motherhood shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be crazy hard. Like kids are hard, but it shouldn't be wrecking us. And yes, I know there's like low support and no, you know, maternity leave and paternity leave and the mental load. I know there's a lot, but on top of that, this is like a red flag. It's like a warning cry to your system. And some of these things, because we don't remember, you don't remember that, that you were a people pleaser as an infant in your crib. It just went into your body. You know, when my mom was pregnant with me, my dad threw my mom down a flight of stairs. You can't tell me that's not lodged in my body. And we have, so on that holistic psychologist post, a lot of people like, I want evidence. And I was like, how about Gabor Mate? How about um, the body keeps score? How about Alice Miller? The body never lies. Like this stuff, whether you believe it or not, gets stuck in your nervous system. It gets stuck in your very being and it's how you are. So if you find yourself constantly saying, well, that's just how I am. Chances are, that's not just how you are, <laughs> you know? Um, we I mean, all... it, it is how you are. It's just, why are you? Right, right, right. Why? Right. Why it, it needs some investigation way? and some digging. So potentially you can work through it or at least be aware of it. I think just having that awareness of, I once worked with a client who couldn't even pop. She saw red, red. The minute her child activated, it was, she almost went to um, child protective services herself to get help because she was like, I don't even see them anymore. And I'm so afraid of what I'm doing in that space. And I was like, we got to work on this now. This isn't a safe space, you know? So yeah, I think that's a really um, important thing that even if you don't remember, even if you don't have a clear memory, even if you're not like, no, I had a great childhood. I just rage at my kid all the time. Like, mm, no, there's something there. And you start to listen to your body. Yeah. It, it Once I started taking some of your practical advice around how to, you know, like uh, self-care truth bombs was huge for me. I was staying up too late on Netflix. I was um, drinking, not like volume wise too much, but right. with too much regularity and right before bed. Right. 
You know what I mean? Even switching to like having my glass of wine at four when I'm putting together dinner was different from right before bed when you right. get that sugar rush right before bed and then you have a sugar crash while you're sleeping. Like oh these kinds God, of things. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, if you're a bitch to your kid first thing in the morning when you two wake up together, maybe you need to wake up before your kid. And people are like, well, I'm not a morning person. I'm like, who the fuck is? I'm not a morning person. I want to get up at five. Right. But you know what? I don't want more than that. <laughs> I don't want to be a bitch to my kid. I don't want to resent him for needing a mom when he wakes up. Like right. that's some wild shit. So I just mustered up the stuff to start going to bed earlier, waking up earlier. Well, now I've got time to myself. He's asleep. What are you going to do with yourself? So I started little ritual at a time. Your rhythm, rich, you know, routines, rhythms, rituals episode is huge for me. Um, so like getting this routine, like at night I grind the coffee, set up everything so that in the morning I wake up and I, it's there for me. It's just pop the water, Setting myself last night, me setting tomorrow morning me up makes tomorrow morning me feel loved. Doesn't it? You feel like yesterday me, and it doesn't even matter that you did it. Like that's why I stress to my son. He's very happy to do dishes for me, but he will wait. You know, and I was like, you have to do them. Like I have to wake up to a clean kitchen. It's like my love language. And he, like, when he does that, and I come in, and like the house is all clean, and the dishes are done. I'm like. And my desk is all set up and I'm just set up with my yellow legal pads like a journal. And then I'm like, I am the bee's knees right now. I, I do, even if I do it, yeah. even if he doesn't do it, I'm like, look at me, I'm fancy. <laughs> yeah, well, so that that I, I was like, oh, this can be a positive feedback loop. What's next? So now I've got this time. My coffee's all ready for me. I'm going to use my melt balls. I don't know if you know about melt balls, but they're reflexology balls for your foot, okay. for your feet. Oof. So now I've added stretches in. Well, if I'm just sitting there making myself coffee and doing my stretches, I can have an earbud in listening to Tara Brock. Ooh, now I've got, now I've started my day thinking about radical acceptance or I'll spend it listening to Janet Lansbury. And then I'm like, got that soft voice ready to go to calm me down once things ramp up, you know, or listening to like the IFS podcast, the one inside or transforming trauma about the NARM method of, of trauma you know, like working on my trauma, the very first thing in the day can help so that when my kid comes out the door, I'm like, I have been focusing on you already. I'm ready for you already. I have already been thinking about ways to help myself so that I can show up for you. And now here you are. And I was like excited for him to come out of the room in the morning versus like, oh, he's fucking up already. And I just got up and, blah, 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 and I can't poop alone ever. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> That built on each on itself. Like, yeah. oh, now now I have the wherewithal to do the connection boundaries balance. Like, oh, we're gonna have some connection time, and then you can run along and play. Now I had um, patience for including him in our village. Oh, well, now that I've had stretches and yoga and therapy time and co- coffee, and I pooped alone. Now that you're up, let's go do the laundry together. And yeah, it'll take longer because you're doing it. But who gives a shit? I just had all this beautiful time to myself that like filled up my cup. And now I can share it with you. And you only need little bits. And if I'm starting the day with a full cup and these kids have such tiny cups to fill up, right? Yeah. So I like give you a little sip of my cup and now you're filled up. You're going to run off and play. Mm -hmm. And he did not fall out of the room ready for independent play. Fuck no. Yeah. My cousin came to visit um, a month after my mom died. He was like, he was, he was 13 months old. 
and he was had lodged himself between the cupboard and my legs and was like pushing and screeching at me to get away from doing the dishes and the look on my face was like I might commit suicide at some point like oh I am God. that fucking dark and my cousin looked at me and she she had kids when we were young and she was like I see you struggling I just I want you to know that you're allowed to do the dishes yeah and it was the very next month that I got your, that I got to your podcast and you were just like, look, if you fill up there, if you're actually deeply connected in moments, they will wander off. They won't feel so um, threatened by you doing the dishes or yeah. by you doing whatever, some task. And it, it took a lot of patience and emotional resilience to let him cry while I showed him I'm going to keep doing the dishes nope I'm not going to let you between us I'm going to be the strong like physically strong person who's not going to let you wedge between right and if you need to cry right there that's fine I'm going to be doing the dishes I'm not blowing up I'm not clenching my teeth right and but inside I'm freaking out right the wheels are turning I'm you know like going like I really am but over the course of time practice literally practicing this yeah eventually it was sincere and eventually he did go and now he's like the independent play master like he'll run off and he just he'll fuck off for an hour without needing me to do anything and I don't have to set up his stuff I never set up activities for him I'm like okay here's your this and here's your that and now you do this thing this way and I'm gonna go over there he's just like I'm like look you can help out with the chores you have to follow the rules though you have to it's for real it's helping for real it's not for play and then we do village stuff and then he's like okay i'm bored with following the rules yeah and helping for real i'm gonna go play with my trains and he just like runs off and does it well you know what too and some people would argue that you taught him that you you know in this like hyper responsive over responsive quote-unquote gentle parenting world we're like well you just taught him that if he you're not listening to his cries but what you literally did, the reason he was crying is because you, your nervous system was jacked. So you were already like yes. nah, 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 inside, which created that we lend our kids our nervous system, you guys. Like, yes, they learn it from us. So if you have a kid who is extra, extra, just extra in any way, extra. Look inside because chances are you're extra and you're trying to mask it. And then by you picking him up in those moments, what you're validating is, yeah, absolutely. Uh, You need to be quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So then, so what he didn't learn to play independently, he learned that you're a steady, sturdy force. And he was like, she's good. She's good because she's going to be in the other room in that tone waiting for me. And if I go in there to play, she's going to play with me, but I'm going to have to follow the rules. So I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you know yeah exactly and so he, well, he's and like, learning that nervous system now too which is yes. i'm okay i'm safe now, all of that is totally true and also i'll just say like i cannot for the life of me stress the importance of your first like 15 episodes for me in practical real world matters. I, he had deep connection scarcity. I was the mom who was like, I'm always with my kid. I'm a stay at home mom. You know, uh, he's right. fine. You know, we're always together and just resenting it the whole time. Cause we were always together. So he was in connection scarcity. Mm-hmm. So then when I'd go try to do something, it was just me being like, Oh, this kid's on me, you know? And he's just like feeling rejected Yeah. now because we have such deep connection moments he doesn't feel rejected when I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do this thing because he knows it's like, well, his cup is filled up first of right. all. And then also he does, it's not me like seething with resentment to try to get away. I'm just right. like, 
casually like, okay, maybe I do this thing now. You can do whatever, you know, and I don't need screen time to lock him down so that he won't move while I do this other thing. Um, But it all took a lot of like getting myself prepared first thing in the day so that I have patience for this very slow process. Because like you say, we can get these results from fear and punitive you know, compliance, yeah. making yeah, compliance based outcome based methods. But since we've all agreed, we don't want to do that. What else? Yeah. Like, okay, well, we've got to be patient with our kids. Well, that's going to be fake as fuck unless I focus on real self care before the day starts. Yeah, you're so right. And I think like, you said another thing that was so poignant too. You were happy to see him. You couldn't wait for him to come out of his room. And that is mm-hmm. markedly different than a lot of families I work with where they're like, I can hear his feet hit the ground. I know he's going to be coming into my room any second. And I'm like, oh, but you know, like, yeah, it's... Um, coming and- into my room? No, you're already behind the eight ball. That's if the problem. If you're in your room hearing him, then you're already behind. And and I don't say this from a place of judgment. If I accidentally sleep in too late and we wake up at the same time, now, though, I'm not angry at him. I'm, like, annoyed with myself. Like, oh, I knew I should, you know. I, I woke up at 5.30 and I looked at my phone and I closed my eyes again. Like, that was my thing. And, yeah. again, like, it's not like I'm a morning person. I, I'm a restaurant worker. I work till, like – midnight on the nights that I work like this is not me loving the morning I mean I do now because of what it gives me but not because my body's just like ready to be up and just you know joy Pascal made me a morning person and I like I tell people I don't know another way like if you want to sleep in that's fine but then if you're having trouble with your kids in the morning that is not working for you. And that's something we have to sacrifice. And I, I don't know how people do it. I get up at three forty-five or four because I want a whole fucking day before my kid gets up. Like I want to get yeah. everything done so I can be, like you said, I can't wait for him to get up and I can't wait to do, to be available for him because I've taken care of myself. And then I was just going to put another post on Instagram. I, my magic bullet. And I learned this when he was very little, but I did it last night, which was sometimes I go to bed at seven. I go to bed at seven. Yeah. Oh, when yeah, he would go to bed, and that is like a battery recharge. Like nobody's business. And I know you it. got laundry, and I know you got shit to do. But oh. for me to get used to this, though, no, for real, for me to get used to this, I had to go to bed with him at seven. Yeah. That's how it, now I can, now I can flex because my body is more used to it, but I've been practicing this for years now. Yeah. And so I really did. I had to be cutthroat, but that's what you say in your uh, self-care truth bombs. You say it over and over. You have to be brutal with self-care. And I, and again, like with the, well, you have to get this, then you have to get that done. I realized in your, you know, the, the, including the kids in your village thing, like I was thinking that I needed to have this like me and him kid time right that was outside of all this housework and that's that was that was mucking the whole thing up right it was taking away all my time so then anytime I had downtime I was filling it up with with housework yeah and so I just had to completely shift all our connection time as while we're doing chores, unless we're out, you know, in nature. That's so important. And or whatever, what, but. but another thing that's overlooked in that, that statement is playing with kids is boring as fuck. I don't want to play dolls the way they play dolls. It's not fun for me. I'd rather build something. I'd much rather be baking with you or 
teaching you how to work a gardening. Drill. Yeah. yeah. Gardening. And it's I not just, right I... for kids because why? You just said it. You have rules. I'm going to play with the village people like a normal person who plays with village people. You're going to play with village people like they're circus people. That is not acceptable to me because my reality is a grown up one. So the kids, that's what yes. happened in the pandemic too, is kids yes, became, got is. used yes. to adult playmates and they could yes. not play with other kids who just smack something out of your hand to get it. <laughs> Don't let you, you say win. could. You say could. My kid is in preschool and literally our whole curriculum for these kids in this year is to get them to turn and look at their peers and tell them something, show them something, ask them something instead of the adults. All of those children Mm. in that class have to literally be taught how to turn and look at their peers. And, and say something to them. Be, they all, the second a, an adult avails themselves yep. to hear a story or look at a something, the kids are like, oh, fuck my peers. I just want to show the adults. And wow. it's because we were all just alone with our kids. And now I, I had a really amazing, like, I'll just say straight up privileged pod experience mm-hmm. for my kid. He had kids who were older and younger than him, various genders, um, lots and lots and lots of play during a time when literally every single one of Elliot's, um, uh, classmates, parents have told me they were fully isolated, no friends, no anything. And so it was just kids for two, maybe three years showing their parents pictures and playing with their parents and stuff. And, you know, everybody kind of went their own way with that. And my way. And I mean, I'm kind of a bitch. So I mean, I'm a little bit grateful that I am because it went this way. I was like, Oh, fuck. No, if I'm trapped inside with my child, he's going to have to learn how to play on his own because I just cannot. I absolutely cannot be sitting here playing trucks and dolls and shit with my kid. Yeah. And, um, and then I had you and Janet Lansbury and Dr. Becky being like, you do not have to play with you. Jen Lumenlon, all, all of my people are like, no, independent play is paramount for their development it's good for them in this long list of ways yeah you don't like doing it you never have to do it and I was like great we will be playful in the garden we will be playful on walks we will be playful in the kitchen I have um I have flour and sugar that's his wasteful like it can go on the floor get swept back up you know and and uh um you know he can be playful and make a mess in the kitchen like we can be playful with each other in all these different ways but when it comes to imaginative play yeah it's his own jam and he can do it on his own or he can do it with his peers but it's not going to be with me fucking ever and I really needed a lot of like it is not just okay because you need it it's okay it's better for him and his imagination and now I see like him and my village is like they parent the same so their kids are like that too yeah but now that he's in like a preschool with just like random selected people I can see that it's a huge skill for him and other parents are like god you know I just wish my kid would play for five minutes you know and I'm like no I don't know actually and I I hearing me hearing you say that has me like oh my god it's a practice (laughs) and it's something I I I work with a lot of private clients with it and I'm like it's a practice and you have to build it in because your kids should not be up your ass all day long that there's something gone awry whether it's nervous system stuff attachment stuff you know your stuff but also there is just a practice and I think because I've always been a single mom this was a non-negotiable I was like no 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 you're gonna have your time I'm gonna have my time and I said we we've been able to drive to New Hampshire without saying a word without headphones on or anything like we're just really comfortable in each other's silence because I'm like yeah I can't be there I know I don't have the illusion of support you know what I mean because I think when we have a spouse 
and as, especially if you're a stay-at-home parent and the spouse works, you are under the illusion that you got a 50-50 split and you do not, you know? Yep. And so it's so important. But I also think like working with some people, including my dear friend right now is I'm like, it does matter even if it's you don't want to do it because, you know, if it's, if it's sucking you dry and it's taking you from other things, you matter. You matter in this equation. We can't put ourselves on the yes. altar of motherhood and sacrifice ourselves because when we can't take care of ourselves, parenting takes care of itself. itself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know? Well, and yeah, exactly. And just, it's just, it's always an obvious leap for me now to say, look, if I'm doing something just for myself, it already is benefiting my kid because my favorite podcaster, Jamie Glowacki, always says, <laughs> don't do something that makes you resent your kid. Yes. If imaginative play is making you grit your teeth while you're with your child, it is not helping them. And probably the reason they are like so manically trying to get you to play with them is so that they can play with you in a way where you're not gritting your teeth. Right. They just want to get to the or other side of whatever the How many is. times have yeah. we sat down to play imaginative play and checked uh. out because... I got a laundry list of things have. to do. Like, I'm like, uh, oh, I, can't, I, okay. I won't. <laughs> Luckily, I can say I've never done it because I got to your stuff so early, though. And again, like, I know I've said this to you before, but I he was 14, 15 months old when I got to your podcast. And I just was hearing all the pitfalls I was going to fall into when he was three. And I was like, well, I can't, I just start this stuff now. And yeah, <laughs> there's, sure. you know, in, in revisiting, there's some stuff like in the old days, if he would make a mess and I'd tell him to clean it up, he'd like, he'd have so much fun with it that it wasn't like this. It wasn't a natural consequence. Now yeah. that he's older, if he spills something, I'm like, clean it up. And he's like, Oh, so now it feels a little bit more like this is a, you know, like a, something that right. can work as a deterrent. Right. Um, but you know, before, so some of this stuff didn't quite click, but it was, it was in for, it was in the log for, to right. look out for right. and other stuff totally was everything else. Again, like I've just logged a lot of hours listening to your <laughs> early podcasts in the past few days. And, and I have a journal full of like, I did this because of this, like episode by episode, I did this, I made this change. Oh, I was definitely doing that. And then I wasn't anymore. And it's just like, little tidbit sentence after sentence after sentence of you said this thing I made this change we saw this positive result and it's still there this journal is now filled with at five years old Elliot can do all these things he's been you know included in the village at five years old his independent place five years old our like co-regulation is this way at five years old blah 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 and it's like I have filled up a journal with the ways that I listened to what you said and took whatever applied to my family and put it into practice, put it into action and committed to it and saw these amazing changes that have held and stayed and now just grows. And I believe that I'm going to have the relationship that you have with Pascal with my kid because we are connecting and collaborating and we have such safety in our separation as well. We have a secure attachment with each other because we are connected when we're together and we drift apart easily and we come back together easily. And it's beautiful. And it was not that way. That's amazing. I mean, and I appreciate the fangirling, but it's just, it's, it's nice when to know Mm -hmm. like that, of course, it's heartwarming to know that my work has helped you so much, but it's so great to know that, you know, to see, to talk to somebody for whom it was so clear, you know, and 
I get a lot of people asking me, you know, hey, who can I listen to? Um, you know, my kids in the tween years now. What? What? How do I move on? And I was like, same rules apply. The same rules apply. And it wasn't. And like you said, you started yeah. at fourteen, fifteen months. It wasn't like this stuff has to be done only when they're three. I wrote, right. I, oh crap, I have a toddler to try to prevent people from getting to three. Like I was like, let's try to get this in people's hands by two so they can yes. not make the mistakes by the time they have a three, three and a half year old. And so I think that that's like the, if you lay this groundwork now, I don't even remember actively parenting in the tweens, like the govern guide, um, govern the gardening. gardening. Uh, the gardening was so yeah. much fun. I don't remember parenting. Like it was like, yeah, you got to set some rules. Of course you do. You got to have boundaries, but the boundaries were already well established. Like I wasn't going to put up with nonsense. You can't speak to me disrespectfully, you know? And then when he hit teenage, same thing, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, the, the house has got a solid foundation. And so now I don't worry about it as much. You know, we've had to, we've had to tackle some big subjects. He's a teenager. He's going to be 18 this year. Like, oh, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> you know? And so, but, uh, but now we, I've said this on so many episodes, like, I can't even fathom that some of his his peers are being punished, are having their phones taken away from them. And I'm like, we're sending these kids off to be adults this year. Like, what are we doing? How about we talk to them about the mistakes? You know, it's just mind boggling. Yeah. My partner was talking to me about like, oh, you know, Elliot's going to be living in our basement just because he knows he like, he sees on Reddit, like all these other parents talking about like my kids still in my basement. I was like, yeah, but those parents tried to guide when the kids were little and govern when they were older and it doesn't work. We are doing something different. We actively talk to Elliot about what things will do once we hit the gardening stage. Like, you know, he wants a dog. I'm like, great. When you're eight or nine, you know, and, and we can collaborate. Um, I, we just do flower gardening right now. I'm not going to do vegetable gardening until he's older. Cause right now he just loves to dig. He likes to fuck off in the garden. And I'm like, that's cool. He's good with pruning. But if he clips a flower, I'm not going to be as angry as if like, it's my I've been watching watching that bell pepper ripen for months. How dare you? You I just want, or even just to say, like, okay, Bubba, like, let's get out of here. It's time to go up to our, you know, community garden plot that we paid, you know, rent for or whatever. Like, right. it's time to go. And right now, like, I do have expectations of him, but I want him to be as low stakes as possible so that he doesn't feel burdened or anxious by expectations. Sure. So that once we get to the gardening stage, I feel more comfortable saying, like, you said you were going to take do X, Y, and Z if we got a dog right. or X, Y, and Z if we did this garden thing or whatever project we come up with that we can collaborate on. I feel like if I give him this firm, steady foundation of boundaries, expectations, following through on consequences, which is huge, that I can get to a place where it won't be stressful for him to feel a collaboration where he has like some more expectations. So it's, it's like, I want to titrate down from the control I have, but titrate up the expectations and trust and like build Uh, the self-esteem in that direction. Titrate down the control and titrate up the expectations. I like that. So in a, a recent podcast, I was trying to like, let go of the rope. I was talking about like letting out the rope a little bit at a time, but I like that. I like that better. Like titrate down the control, titrate up the expectations. By the way, he's lying about the dog. You're going to, you're going to walk the dog. Just, I'm just letting no. you know. <laughs> I'm, as the old, parentified oldest sibling of five, I know who's going to walk the dog. <laughs> 
I'm still the one walking the dog. <laughs> no, but I think that's a really good thing because even as you were speaking, um, occasionally I will, um, you know, for me it's dishes and like the dog responsibility, right? Because I get up with the dog in the morning. And whenever I start to get resentful, I immediately go to, well, Pascal never, he, you know, that's what I do in my head. And then I'm like, or the fact that you haven't enforced any of these expectations and you just take it on because that's what I do. Never mind, I'll do it. Never mind, I'll do it. I got it. I got it. You don't do it right. I'm going to do it right. I take everybody's on because I'm going to do it better. And so, but then I'm like, oh, you haven't asked, like you haven't done it. You haven't enforced anything. So then it comes back on me. So then I, I, I avoid the explosion of like, you don't even see there's dishes that need to be done. And I'm like, He's a 17 and a half year old boy. He doesn't see that there's scum on the toilet seat. Of course, he doesn't see dishes in the sink. <laughs> like, right. You know? I'm, my background is uh, restaurant management. I'm a re- restaurant expert if you want to talk uh, food and nutrition. Um, Dude, I wanted to I get learned, to that, but we're like over yeah, an hour. I know. I know. So I we'll see talk that. about we'll do another one on food. Yeah, we'll do, let's do food because I could just go forever. Um, I, uh, I learned in management that if somebody was doing something on my staff that I needed to correct. I needed to first evaluate myself and my management and what facilitated that staff member doing that thing and not to berate myself, but so that I could walk up to a person and say, Hey, this thing happened, right? Not you did a thing, but this thing happened like, Oh, uh, this wrong order was, you know, this customer needed uh, a charge back because their bill was wrong or something. I didn't, I'm now looking back and I see that I didn't, clarify a rule or Mm -hmm. make a process known clear enough, or I let you do this thing last time and didn't say it, but I should have said something or anything that can help bring ownership to a problem so that when I'm correcting a person, they feel like we have, we are on the same team and we have to uh, collectively fix a problem that is no one particular person's fault. I mean, occasionally it would come up that some person was just a bad worker or whatever, but Mm -hmm. mostly it was two people in a relationship, creating a situation that was not ideal and needed to work together to make it ideal. Yes. And I think that I brought that into my parenting. I love that. And it really, really helps. Like, okay, you have, you didn't, you know, I've gotten to a place where I'm saying you never do something. And I know it's my job to hold you to the thing that I am, you know, whatever. Yeah. And like with Elliot, it's like just bringing his plate from the table to the sink. Like, yep. Of course I could do it for you. Of yes. course I, I can do everything for you. But that's not my job. My job is to help you learn how to take care of yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, now, now he is the little like, oh, the laundry is piling up. We should get to the laundry. And not like an OCD, he's nervous about it, but just like, hey, I noticed the laundry's getting overflowed. Like we should take care of the laundry. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> not even quite five years old yet. And you like, no, and he's been doing it a while, you know, like, yeah. oh, I see the, you know, the cat litter jar is getting low. We should get more cat litter. Like, oh, we're getting low on syrup. Is there more well, in the backup cupboard? there's also pride. That, that's the bringing the kids into the village because there's pride. I, I'm, I'm working with a lovely family right now. And the four-year-old little girl was like, just kind of devolving in behavior throughout the day, you know? And I was like, she's not doing enough. And so at one point she cleaned like the mom was putting the younger ones to bed and she cleaned the living room. And then, and the mom was like, Oh my God, it was like spotless. And I was like, 
okay. And so the mom like said, even to the dad, like in front of the child, you know, can you believe she did this? She cleaned the whole living room. It was gorgeous. The next night the girl was like, I got this. You go put them to bed. I'm going to clean the living room. And again, it's not that it was, we activated her inner pride. When Pascal was little, he would clear everybody's table. So if we went out to, if I came to your house after dinner, you know, I'd be like, hey bud. And he'd just go and clear everybody's plates and friends would be like how did you get him to do that and I was like because I didn't get him to do anything everybody's praising him up the wazoo so he's he's like like, look at me I cleared the table and you know my god (laughs) I brought my kid to Michigan for the first time to visit my family with the pandemic I wasn't flying with him so I brought him this this past summer for the first time and everybody was like gather around and look at the child that eats vegetables how did you get him to eat vegetables and I'm like well you guys gather around yeah totally it's like just (laughs) he's not a circus act Um, but yeah it's just this like (laughs) yeah and with the cleaning and yeah he just has ownership over it the other day I wanted him to like clear off his art table and I kind of like snaked him I was like okay all you have to do is take everything off the table and put it on the floor and I will find a place for everything but then of course as he's taking stuff off his he'll look at it and I'm like where does that I mean, that just goes over there, right? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll go put it over there. And suddenly he had Marie kondo his whole junk-ass art table, nice. found himself found a spot for everything to go. And for weeks now, it's been clear. Like, he does stuff at his art table, and then he goes put puts the materials back wherever the place that he found for it. So because he had ownership over, like, no, I organized it. I said it. Same thing with the cubes, you know, the Ikea cloth cubes. Yeah. Once, once I got him to condo his own shit, now he's like, mom, you put this truck in the wrong cube. It doesn't go in this one. It goes in that one. And I'm like, great. You know what? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's cool, bubs. I will try to remember that. You know, the best way is if you put away your toys at the end of the night, then everything will get in its right spot. And he's like, yeah, I probably should do that. I'm like, yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. But that's that's one of those things that could get so skewed in the current like pendulum pull of gentle parenting. Like, well, you're just, you know, tricking him. And it's like, yeah, because he's five and it, it, he's taking ownership. And did I snake him a little? Yeah, but yeah. is it for everybody's good? And Brilliant. taking ownership is like what we want because now you have a self-sufficient, I mean, not totally self-sufficient, but a five-year-old version of self-sufficient. <laughs> no, I, I mean this not with hyperbole. My boyfriend in college, I was with him for three years. Like he did not clean his bowl up. At yeah. his, the, I remember going back to visit his, like, at his mom's house and seeing the way he and all four of his sisters, five kids. I also am from five kids, and that is not how it looked. Mom didn't clean shit up, right? right? Like, we cleaned that stuff up. I cleaned that stuff up. And I, when I watched him just, like, leave his cereal bowl for his mom to clean up, he was 21 years old. I was like, what? They, he, she paid for him to have his like Grateful Dead shirts and ratty jeans brought to the, the laundromat while he was at college. Cause he couldn't do his own laundry. Yeah. 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 Sorry. The painter's it, <laughs> no. it was just amazing. Like how much he couldn't do. And sometimes I'll watch my kid do laundry or watch my kid like chop up veggies as a side or do his own dish. Yeah. And I'm like, my young, very young child knows how to do more than the boys that I went to college with. Yeah. And I can't, you know, being my age and in the dating scene, like, that's like my, I'm like, I'm going to need to talk to your mother. Like, first thing, because like, I'm all set with this, like, 
because I'm 55. So the guys yeah. I'm in the range for are edging into boomer territory. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not picking up any of your shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my partner's amazing. Like he knows how to take care of himself, but yeah. other people who I, who I'm close with, who've had kids with people, they're like, I've actually talked to guys who were like, literally my mom taught me nothing, expected nothing of me. And I'm like, well, this is, this is one of the reasons why feminists will say mothers are the upholders of the patriarchy. We have created boys who feel a sense of entitlement to not need to do these things because someday they will obviously marry some vagina shaped person who's going to do it for them. (laughs) And it's just a nightmare. It's an absolute Uh, nightmare. I get so sick of hearing me talk about the mental load because, you know, I just recently, I had an addition put on and I've talked about it in the podcast you know just the unbelievable decisions and the like I redid this beautiful desk and I was like you know on my to-do list it said redo desk it was five days of learning how to use the paint sprayer of learning I don't know even what a primer was I had to learn that I had to learn like I was like never mind I picked like a windy day so I'm painting it out on my deck I literally had to watch the paint dry to pick leaves off of my desk so I was like this wasn't a simple one line thing. Like the mental load of this stupid desk was incredible or, you know, just whatever and making the calls. And it, but he's so funny. Cause he's like, I know, I know you're just trying to make me a good partner. I know. <laughs> Damn it. Well, I'm not partner, raising a son. Again, I'm raising a future husband. <laughs> a roommate, a coworker. I mean, he's going to have to work maybe in an right. office someday right. or, or I know he's could, actually has a really cool future ahead of him. I, I'm excited. I tell Eric all the time, like I super hope Elliot turns out like Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, awesome. I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, it's it's all of the different various partnerships and relationships that they're going to have right. to engage in. They're going to be, you know, like he might go to college and live in a dorm. You know, you you'll have people that you have to cohabitate with in some way. And if you're leaving your shit about, if you're constantly looking to somebody else to like figure out what to do next, then you're not helpful to the village that you're going to go out and try to create. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I'm definitely always thinking about my kid wandering away from me going out into the world and I wanted to do it as soon as possible, not because I don't like him or want him around, but because I don't want him to need me. Yeah. You I know, don't want that either, but I got to so tell you, <laughs> when they start getting towards 18, you change your tune a little. You're like, well, the basement, we could redo it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I miss my siblings so much because they're all in Michigan, but they talk to me all yeah. the time. And, you know, when your 30-year-old kid calls you and is like crying because something's hurting and they just need to talk to the parent who is supportive and loving and always says the right thing. Like I am walking, I'm just like, I feel so good. My kids still call me. They're in their twenties and thirties and they still call and say, I need you. They don't call their mom and say, I need you. I know what it feels like to have them be like, I'm like one of my sisters is a, was a, is a nurse and she volunteered in the beginning of the COVID, you know, like before any of us knew what was going on, she was like, I'm going in, I'm doing it. And I just was like, both, you know, like wrecked with fear that I was going to lose my baby sister and also like beaming with pride that this kid that I helped raise does is life-saving is out there saving lives and calling me for support to get through it I'm just like I know that once my kid goes he's not going to be gone right he's always going to be because I'm going to do what I did with those other kids which is like validate support not tell them what they need to do, but always give them like my two cents on 
my perspective as a person who loves you beyond measure. And yeah, I'm or you could be like Pascal, who's like, I'm just going to give you my future baby. You can return when there are like three potty trains. <laughs> She's like, and I can't over- wait to have kids. He's like, you're going to be the best grandmother. They're going to eat so well. You're going to have, you're going to tell us how to, he's <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell you anything till you ask me. <laughs> I'm over here like climate just freaked out. Like, please don't have kids. Please don't bring a baby onto this planet. I know. I haven't said that to him. I haven't said that. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, mama, well, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much. This was such a great, fun conversation. And um, let's do it again about food. Yeah, because the oral phase dysphagia combined with my education in nutrition, like there was just, there's so much to say about helping a child cultivate a healthy relationship with food. Yes, I'd love, love to, love to get back to it. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks for your time. It was just glorious to Uh, finally talk uh, back to you for real instead of having you in my head. Okay, bye everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. (laughs) You can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me, buy any of my courses. Those are really geared towards potty training help. And also I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, jamie.glowacki, and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information. So those are extra resources for you. And as always, rock on. Have an awesome day.